If you know me at all, you know that death is my bread mm -hmm. and danger my butter. Oh, no, danger is my bread and death is my butter. No, no, wait. Danger is my bread. Death, no, death. No, I'm sorry. Death is my... Death and danger are my various breads and, and various butters. Mm -hmm. Everything else for the category of things that are great, our new, our ongoing segment, things that are great. A lot of listeners write in and ask for recommendations. Okay. And we always, always, almost always ignore them. We never bring up listener letters on the show. So I'm responding, and you're just poo pooing it. Are they being forwarded to your inbox appropriately? Yes. Okay. Maybe they're not being forwarded to my inbox appropriately. Do you know what else is great? Yeah. What's that? The scene in The Big Lebowski. Um, I need. Uh, Visual nods that everybody's registering the Big Lebowski. Yes. Will and I both did actually nod. Okay, so the scene that I love that never gets enough attention is, they, is is right after they go to Larry Seller's house to try to get the script back and they smash the car in the front and then their his car gets smashed because they oh, smashed yeah, yeah, the yeah. wrong car. Mm -hmm. The thing I love is the whole setup to that scene is how they're gonna they're asking where this kid Larry Sellers lives. He's like, Oh, it's by such and such a street. That's by the new In and Out Burger. Don't they have an In and Out Burger over there? Mm -hmm. And so they, they mentioned that several times about how they're going to go over to this kid's house and, and get back the uh, the information that they need out of the suitcase that was in the stolen car. Mm -hmm. And then the car gets smashed. And then I love that the end of the scene is after the their car gets smashed because they incorrectly smashed the neighbor's car. You see them all without a windshield just chowing down on In-N-Out Burger. They still stopped. Mm -hmm. They still stopped at the In-N-Out Burger after the entire melee. That took a long road to get to that punchline. <laughs> Was road a pun because it was a car? Yeah, it was. Well, it's just a, such a subtle thing. It's not like a punchline. That's what's awesome about it. Put but that in the category of things that it's are a great. visual joke. Yeah. yeah, that's in the category of things that are great. Are we gonna Are we gonna have another segment of um, Ben describes movies scene for scene? I uh, really hope so. I hope so. Okay, well, that would be Best good. segment. We can, we can talk a lot about Pulp Fiction. Sure. So this is episode 83 of Various Breads and Butters. Uh, with me to my left is uh, Ben Brickhouse-Cohen. I am Simon Portmantona. Out in the studios, our producer, Michelle hyphen simon our fact-check intern, Ian Code Morse, and our playlist intern, Will Madison Square Gordon. That all checks out. That all checks out. You finally got it. I think. Ooh, Will that... nodded in approval. Yeah, and I think it was, yeah, I, th I think that was pretty good. Now, with us, not with us, but with us remotely. With us very special guest. Very special guest, Dr. Emily Musel Church, PhD, who is uh, at the X Prize right now and former Lafayette College professor and current friend of both hosts and former landlord of one of the hosts. That's me. Have I'm I? The one. Uh, yeah. Have I? Have I? Have I got everything? Emily, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Emily, just just so that I can be, I can just sort of hate my situation. Tell me what the weather is like where you are oh, right now. Weather talk. You're starting oh, with you're time. actually asking on the perfect day because it is Ugh. rainy and stormy here in Los Angeles. So we are all so cold that we are wearing vests. Just tell me the temperature, though. <laughs> and hoodies. Oh, I don't, it's probably like a frosty 60. I don't know. It's cold. <laughs> 21 here. 21, <laughs> although it is clear. So that's nice. Right. And now that it's actually early February, mm -hmm. 
Emily, I want to I want to start by saying you are uh, one of my favorite people, probably one of the most passionate people with respect to uh, social justice, human well, rights, and well, stuff. Can I, can I interject? Yeah, Emily, you're one of my favorite people. Oh, one of the most not, passionate. It's not a competition. You're making it sound like it's a competition right off the bat. If you say you're one of my favorite people and I just sit here silently, oh, that's true. I think the assumption will be like, well, that's he he got that one. Mm-hmm. And I got to come with this podcast more. Yeah, I'm feeling great. You're, you're feeling pretty Keep good about going. yourself. Yeah, you're pretty well. You're you're lauded. Yes, absolutely. And and one of the things which is weird. Now I did my research, and I happen to know both your parents are Wall Street fat cats, and you got your degree, a, a bachelor's degree at Liberty University. So where did you take a turn to become the person you are? Or is my research completely wrong? You need to fact check a little bit, Ian. Uh, he needs some help. She's already got Ian working for her. Oh, okay. So your parents are not Wall Street fat cats. No, They're they not. are not. Skinny, okay. cats. Uh, skinny cats. Skinny cats. <laughs> so yeah, we, we usually start with by sort of trying to get a sense of how you got from where you... Simon calls it the journey question. The journey question. Where you were to Do where tell. you are. So let's start, because I, I have met both of your parents who are lovely people. What, what do, me uh, too. What are the, oh yeah, Ben has too. Wow, this is a whole <laughs> Me Too episode. <laughs> well, um, I, at least here I can one-up you. Not only have I met your parents, but I've seen your father and spoken with him on several occasions independently just at other places in the world. Oh, that's true. At conferences. <laughs> Now, now, do we want to let Ben describe what your father does, or should we let you describe what your father does? I would love to hear what Ben says, since you've seen him in all these public places. Well, well he's well, the director of the Rachel Carson Center. Mm-hmm. Rachel oh. Carson Council. In Rachel, Rachel Carson Council. He's yeah. also a, an author of a book, Rachel Carson and Her Sisters, mm-hmm. published by Rutgers University Press, 2014. Wow. Oh. Right? I don't know. Well, I've, oh. I've read it. Nice. But I was going to say... You know, we're not even interviewing him. We're interviewing Emily. That's true, but I want to. But, but I. But could. I think it. Uh, I think it sort of makes. Uh, sets the stage. Sets the stage. And what does your What does your mom do, Emily? So my mom works uh, at the Association of American Colleges and Universities, mm-hmm. and um, has worked in higher education for quite some time. She, when I was a kid, she was a women's studies professor. Mm-hmm. Um, so early on, before there were many women's studies professors, she was in the English department, and she and another faculty member forged a program. And it was actually right down the road in Philadelphia, where I was born. And my mom was teaching at LaSalle University. Hmm. Quick question. Yeah. Has she won an X Prize? She has not. We know someone there that can maybe grease those wheels. No family member is allowed to compete. Uh, so I have disqualified her. Oh, nice. She but was that close. We're to. not like Ben and I are not technically family, right? Correct. So if you want to compete, I actually, I need to tell you something. There is a Lehigh University team competing in a current XPRIZE competition, and there is no Lafayette College team. What is is the competition for? This is a oceans robotic uh, competition that is to explore the ocean floor. And... Yeah, the team. It's an open competition it's, it's right now. Yeah, it's, it's sandy. sandy. We 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 have the we have the yeah. answer for you. Emily. We already got that. It's all sand, all, as far as the eye can see. Give me my prize. <laughs> On episode eighty-two with um, Professor Lindsay, so we were talking about an invention where we could put a sandwich in a tube and it would separate the sandwich into <laughs> the sandwich and the mayonnaise that nobody wants on the sandwich. Would that maybe be an X prize worthy? That sounds really X-Prize-y. That's yeah. just the type of innovation we're looking for. Would I? Yeah. How would I fare in that competition if my point was to prevent the, the application of the mayonnaise to the sandwich in the first place? Instead of having to remove it after the fact, accepting that it's on there, I say we just don't put it on. Uh, that would be outside of the parameters of X-Prize mm. because we're looking to actually create a new market and see where there's market failure and what technology will actually help better society. What you're talking about is preventative and behavior change. Wow. 
There you go, she Ben. Got, she's, she knows her job. Technology. Yeah, you do know your job. So your parents... So back up. We gotta back yeah, up. Yeah, let's back up. So your parents are very active um, in many, many ways. So that explains it. And you didn't go to Liberty University. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of getting the sense. Uh, I did not, but my sister-in-law and brother-in-law both did. Did they really? Yes. I did not know that. Now, did, now but where did you go? I went to Drew University uh-huh. in Madison, New Jersey. Okay. A small liberal arts college that I love. And yes. it was probably the most transformative time in my life, mm-hmm. intellectually, I would say. Yep. But to back it up, but yes. yeah, my parents were both politically and socially active mm-hmm. um, when we were growing up in Philadelphia, my sister and I. Um, we also went to a, a church in Philadelphia that was very socially and politically active and was doing things like refuge for um, for families, refugee families, had gay partnerships that were in the church. Um, so really ahead of its time, this is back in the 80s. My father was in peace work. He was a, had refused orders to Vietnam um, when he was in the army for 10 years. Um, so he started off in peace work, uh, then went to the environment from there. My mom started in academia, um, went to women's studies. My sister became a lawyer and I became an academic. Um, but we were, yeah, it was certainly a big part of our family to talk about politics, to be actively engaged in our communities and to infuse the work that we do with um, a sense of being involved in the world around us. I, th- I think you accomplished that. I don't know. I think you did. <laughs> well, regardless, can we consider them friends of the show? My parents? Yeah. You mean future guests, current parents? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That'll work. Okay, good. All right. We also, my, my cousin Barry up in Oakland is also a new friend of the show. Hey, Barry. So. Hey, Barry. Why doesn't Barry get a Twitter account to follow us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah Barry. Come on, Barry. Now, so what happened after Drew? So actually, I spent a year at Smith College. I did a visiting women's studies year mm-hmm. at Smith College in Northampton. Um, which was an amazing experience. I also think all women at some point should be in a all-female environment. Mm-hmm. There's something about that. It was transformative. Now, what is it about being immersed in an environment with all women that you think beneficial? It just gives you the space to to be and get outside of some of the expectations, particularly at that stage in life. In my opinion, of course, it's my experience, so I don't have anything else to judge it against. But you know, at 20 years old, there's a way that a lot of women's confidence really drops at that point. There was a study at Boston College talking about how women come into college more confident and they leave less confident, whereas for men, it's the opposite Mm -hmm. for male students. I think some of that has to do with hypersexualization of undergraduate women. Um, Some of that has to do with, you know, there's, I mean, a lot of things, sexual assault on college campuses. There's also just in general Women don't necessarily always speak up in class, all sorts of things. I'm sure Mm -hmm. you've read the studies on that. So one of the things about being at Smith was really, first of all, nobody says, do you have a boyfriend? It's, do you date, who are you dating someone? You know, it's not, there's sexuality and sort of how people identify. There's a lot of questions about, about gender identity, um, people experimenting with, with gender identity in a way that I hadn't known about before going to Smith, um, that I think now has, has been talked about more in a national stage. So, but really there was something about collaboration with other women. Um, it didn't feel competitive and it was really just a, a group of exceptionally smart, talented women in freezing cold Massachusetts. We don't want you to build it up too much. Our, our producer, Michelle Polton Simon, we don't want you to leave for Smith, but, um, <laughs> but would you, Michelle, do you, do you get a sense of that you would see some of the benefits of being in an all-female environment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I personally, like when I was applying for colleges, I didn't want, like, that wasn't specifically what I wanted, but I absolutely understand, like, a lot of the reasons that women do apply to all-female colleges. 
uh, some of the women I know who are at all female colleges seem very, very happy. A vote of confidence in the system. There you go. I mean, but I did go back to Drew, which is a co co-ed happily went back. I really, I graduated from Drew. I'm proud of it. I was just glad I had both experiences yeah. for me that worked well. Um, and then, so what happened after that? Uh, I went to Africa for the first time after graduation. I went to Cote d'Ivoire, uh, the Ivory Coast mm-hmm. in West Africa, which was a bit of a, um, it was an arts and culture program through Drew University. And they'd been going for 30 years to this location. And, but it was in the midst of a political upheaval. You may or may not know there was a civil war that that started in, in Cote d'Ivoire, and this was sort of the beginning of that. So it was a really interesting time to travel there, particularly when I was so young, 22 years old, and and I hadn't studied that much about Africa. I had done an honors thesis on um, the Harlem Renaissance, and, and I had just started, my honors thesis took me into a study of Pan-Africanism just a little bit to say, as I was studying, why did these um, artists go to Paris? What was the draw there? And that they met people of African descent from all over the world. Mm. And they talked a lot about Africa. So in my research, I saw that. So I wanted to go. Um, so that was really the first time I got involved in African studies, which ended up being a, a big part of my later career. How long were you there? I think it was just a month. For, for the sake of... Uh of the interns and for the sake of anybody here, just a biographical point of fact. Um, Ivory coast. I recall, um, being in grade school, one of my first, uh, sarcastic comments, I think we had to go around and, you know, you had to know the main exports of every country, Mm -hmm. you know, bismuth, uh, coal ore, And, um, and then they asked me Ivory coast and I said, soap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Uh, I mean, it started off a little bit. Your comedy career started off a little bit on a, on a low note, that's, but I, I think that's the comedy bronze. It's gotten better. It's gotten better since then. <laughs> I, did, I didn't. I didn't get a big laugh. Mm. I thought it was great. Yeah. Sometimes get kids it. kids know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, did you go on to grad school right out of undergrad? I did not. No, I went to a law firm, a civil rights law firm. Um, I worked as a paralegal. It was in employment discrimination cases, racial and gender discrimination. Because we were looking at cases, complaints that were from often uh, large companies, uh, the founder of that law firm had done a large uh, Coca-Cola racial discrimination lawsuit. So we did, through some of the documents and work as a paralegal, I looked at some of the structures of corporate America. Wait, which Coca- was... Coca-Cola wanted to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. So <laughs> I think that was probably Exhibit A. Um, so we lost defense. that one. Yeah, I would think. They just showed the commercial and they're right. like, oh, you're fine. So let's talk more about Mad Men. Uh, that last episode, uh, Don Draper, your thoughts. <laughs> oh, wait, were we not talking about that? We weren't. No, no. I just, that was just I got a, conf- a I side just, thing. I've kind of phased out. No, and, but if we're going to talk about shows set in that time, Good Girls Revolt, if you have not watched that. Is that on, a, is, a, on Amazon? Currently, yes, it's on Amazon. Okay. It is so worth watching. It's sort of like Mad Men, but from the woman's perspective. And it's about a real, the real case where women at Newsweek sued Newsweek um, because they weren't able to progress. They'd have these women who were from Vassar and wherever, um, who were researchers to the the male reporters, and they weren't able to write the stories, only the men's names would go. So the women mm-hmm. would sort of do the research and write it. And um, it's very compelling. I'm yeah. not doing a good pitch. This Sounds, is why I'm not I've in Hollywood. Heard, and then also you can go to hashtag save good girls revolt, because oh. Amazon decided to drop it after the first season. And it's a women um, created, women run show. And it did really well. And it was a big surprise and kind of a scandal that they didn't go forward. So all these people, it's now being shopped around to, I think, Hulu and Netflix and other places. So and you like it. Why am I giving this plug? I don't know I don't anybody know. who works there. <laughs> I will say I will say this. Ben and I are big fans of Amazon Prime. And if you, if just today, 
If you go on Amazon Prime and put an offer code VBB, you will get 0% off your Amazon Prime. And, but a free error code. Yeah, you, you will get a free, you'll, the error code comes free. <laughs> yep. Simon, you, you took us off track. Yeah, it was Simon who said the madman comment? No, that was Ben. Well, but we can, who knows? I mean, <laughs> yeah, Ben, I mean, who even who knows? Who looks at facts? We yeah. don't need those these days. When you were an undergrad, were you history and women's studies? No, I was a, my major was American studies with a focus on race and ethnicity and a double minor in, in women's studies and religion. What made you decide to go into graduate studies in, in history? Actually, I went on a road trip with my sister in California and we rented a convertible and went up the California coast. So we visited UCLA, which is where I ended up getting my doctorate. This stereotype about Los Angeles that I think a lot of East Coasters have, i lived on the East Coast my whole life, that it was just kind of gray and not that, I don't know, interesting or compelling. And it was just Hollywood stuff. And we went and I thought LA was vibrant and beautiful and fascinating. And we actually, when we went up the coast, we rushed back down to get back to LA. And so I ended up applying to UCLA and a couple other places. Um, But mostly because the history department at UCLA allowed me Uh, They knew what my background was, and they said, we really are looking for people who are doing this interdisciplinary work um, and this trans-regional work. Although I was technically in under African studies, they supported from the beginning basically an extension of my honors thesis work I had done at Drew University. They allowed me to continue that into into my graduate studies. So maybe a tip for our students, don't necessarily over-specialize. Anything can happen after you're done. It really is something. I think about how many times at Lafayette and and other places, students were really anxious about what their major was going to be. And it does matter in certain ways. But when I think, you know, I majored in basically just what classes did I really want to take that interested me? What professors were really compelling to me? Just so that learning was fun and engaging and something that caught my, my heart and my mind. And then you know, went on to history without having a strong, you know, necessarily background in that. I did take history classes, but really trained in graduate school. And now I'm at a science and technology foundation. So, you know, I think it's just when you're engaged with the world and you care about things and you like learning, I really think that's the most important thing. And it's why I love liberal arts colleges. Um, I taught at two liberal arts colleges. I went to liberal arts colleges. The idea behind liberal arts is is so important to sort of how you think about the world and opens up all sorts of possibilities. And that's, I think, what is more important than your major. I do get this question a lot when, from advisees mm-hmm. or students in class who are really uh, anxious about what job they're going to get right after school and what they're studying because they're afraid that's not going to lead them to their perfect job. You know, students know this, but um, people don't stay in their jobs as long as like 30, 40, 50 years ago. And so you're going to have a few jobs anyways. Um, but it doesn't, it's not effective ahead of time. You could say after the fact, like, well, don't be so anxious about if that first job is your dream job, because you have to get some work experience and find out what you like, because they don't always, they're not always satisfied with that. Yeah. And I think they still, there's a lot of pressure still from parents. And I think increasingly, actually, the whole conversation around higher education is, is it really worth it? And why should we spend so much money? And can you get a job? I mean, that, that is real stuff. There, People need to get trained. The thing I would say is it's about the skill sets. There's things that college students already know how to do that people in the workforce don't know. You know, things like coding. A lot of s- students know how to do that. Um, Some of them know how to of, run a soundboard, mm-hmm. set, up, <laughs> set up mics, fact check, yeah. make playlists. Exactly. All that stuff. It's, that's that's going to be real work experience. You know, one of the things that has been really exciting about the way we do our work here at 
at XPRIZE, I've been here about two and a half years now. Um, we So for those of you who don't know what XPRIZE is. Hey, yeah, oh, uh, hold on, Emily. I had a question. Oh, what, yeah. um What is XPRIZE? So the XPRIZE Foundation is a nonprofit organization that designs and operates large-scale competitions to create technology that will better society in some, in some way. So it sounds kind of vague, and if you go to our website, you'll see rocket ships and robots, and um, some people say, well, you know, okay, how does this all fit together? It all looks really exciting and cool. And really what we're doing is saying we want to channel all of the energy and talent that people have and say anybody is capable of thinking about how to change something. We sometimes think somebody else is going to do it. If there's a problem like, okay, how do we clean up oil spills or how do we find housing for the increasingly large number of refugees we have in the world? How can we do that at, at scale? And if you, you know, we are not seeing the solutions necessarily come from the traditional channels. And so one of the things that's exciting is we, when we put calls out for teams to, to form and come up with solutions, we say anybody. We have had kids who compete. We've had um, people who are you know, in their 70s and 80s. We've had people at major research institutions, corporations, people tinkering in their basement. Um, the group from Lehigh I mentioned is, uh, I believe it's students with uh, a faculty member. So to say you can actually really be doing things that are that are real. Do you use your background, your specialty in, in African history or African cultural understandings in any of this, any of this work? A little bit in the beginning, as we were setting up our field test for the global learning X prize, um, we, we have agreements with the Tanzanian government, but we went through a whole process to figure out where we were going to do the field test. And, um, so we were doing analysis of different countries based on, um, this political stability of the country, whether girls were able to have equal access to technology and education. Um, so we wanted to ensure the safety of kids. We also wanted to see sort of how the government functioned. So I used it in that. You know, referring to Africa quite generically, but what, what was your specific focus? Like what was your, what was your historical work on? What did you study? My focus was on Francophone Africa, but really it was the the French Atlantic colonies. So that was um, French speaking areas in the Caribbean and West Africa, and then people from the colonies who were living in France in the early 20th century. Lived in Senegal for a time, but I've had work that brought me to Indian Ocean, South Africa. So I think next time um, we have you on, Emily, we're going to start with things that you haven't done. <laughs> right. And that might, that might be a little bit, maybe easier for you to answer. And I think I think it's also also in, indicative. I think well, like we were talking earlier, like if you were to write a book on how I got here, I mean, it would be interesting as a from a biographical approach, but it wouldn't be um, as as people want to think when they say, you know, how I became successful. Are you saying her interview style is interesting? No, or I'm just not. I'm just saying. Are you I'm criticizing saying, us or praising you're us? Rambling. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not criticizing or praising. It's 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 actually it's actually criticizing the genre of ten steps to success. Do what I did what we're showing Emily is just do something you're passionate in. And there's not really a, a blueprint to get from point A to point B. It's, you know, it's why I don't want to say, Oh, don't, don't worry about it. You know, don't worry about finding a job because you should worry about that. Mm -hmm. And there's also, you know, I think it's reality for a lot of people and there's sort of certain amount of sort of privilege to be able to say, 
well, I'm just going to go wander and, you know, um, but I think there's ways, I think it goes back to that sort of infusing who you are and what you care about with what you do. I think the one missing piece so far we have from your background is one of the more crucial questions that we try to get to on the show. We haven't heard much about the the music that you love when you were age 10, when you were age 20, and yeah. when you were age 30. But Smooth. I wanted to ask that. Smooth. We okay. Simon and I actually, he's not revealing this, but we went to a workshop on Segway, uh, Segway <laughs> Mastering the other yeah, day. It was, it and was so I'm, really I'm just trying good. to use some of the techniques. That's four hours of my life. <laughs> um, Emily, uh, uh, yeah. when you were age 10, what was your favorite music? Age 10. Um, I think that was the phase where I was listening to records. There was a four-sided Les Miserables musical, Broadway musical album that I would sing every single part of it over and over. I would just kind of go through my parents' record collection. So I became very interested in this folk singer named Holly Near. She's actually from California. I have since met her. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I remember the one I loved, the Black Holly Near album that had just a profile. She's this bright red hair. And but she's sort of obscure, so that's maybe why you haven't heard of her. But she's this amazing sort of, of course, since we I mentioned the background of my family, she's a social activist, political folk singer. Hmm. But I didn't understand what that was all about. I just liked the music, and I would just sing along, and I would just there was a, this antique mirror in my parents' place, and I would just perform, you know. All right. Well, so what happens at age twenty? Yes. Okay. So twenty. Well, then I have to say. Ani DeFranco was, you know, obviously went through an Ani DeFranco phase. I also was, was big re- into... Was that required at Smith? Yes. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I was also into acapella. I did acapella at both colleges, Drew and Smith. And so I was big into that scene. Wow. And that was before the television program Glee. So how did you even know that that existed? <laughs> I loved it. Oh, uh, well, let's... Now, now that you're up to 30, how does this okay, change? Okay, so... 30, I was, I uh, had finished my PhD. I was, had my first job, uh, professor job at uh, Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut. So I would say at that point, there were two things. One, I joined a band for the first time. Mm. I can't remember if it was right before I turned 30 or right after, but I thought, you know, I've always wanted to be in a band. Now's the time, you know, I'm 30. So sure. I. Were you singing I, in the band? Yes. I was, I was the lead singer of a uh, basically garage band, but we did play called? out a dive bar. What was the name? You got to say it. You brought it up. I did. It was the Kirkland Express. Oh, all right. And, it's like the Kirkland stuff you can get at Costco. And I used, well, that's my, uh, my middle name. So I used a stage name at the time. Okay. Because I was on the academic job market and I, I didn't think people would really think that was that great if I had any sort of band things and we had a, uh, what was it at the time? MySpace or something page. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, and then the other thing there was Trinity has an international hip hop festival that was started by students there. It's still going on um, where they bring conscious rap uh, artists and just do, I think it's usually about three day festival about hip hop culture. So they'd have B-boy and B-girl battles. They'd have graphic artists. They'd have panels about hip hop and its influence. So I really got interested in international hip hop and really sort of from an academic way, but obviously I also love music and dancing. Um, there's this group called nomadic wax, uh, that I started working with and just volunteering with that. I loved, um, nomadic wax is a production and media company that also does, does some educational work. So uh, you're adding a lot of diversity to our, to our playlist. Absolutely. Will's going to have a, 
uh, good job here. You're going to have a heck of a time. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, I'm sure they've already gone to YouTube to look for Kirkland Express. <laughs> and oh, yeah, found pictures. we found pictures. No, okay. no. Good. Good. Oh, well, <laughs> well we, we won't tweet them if you don't want us to. Um, we, we can't make that promise. <laughs> there are a lot. The there problem are, with the internet. There are a lot. Yeah, right. exactly. Now, are you prepared to be quizzed? Oh, sure. We'll go around the room, and I have a quiz for you. I have a quiz for everybody. Could Simon will answer first, yep. and then the uh, interns will answer, and so you get the you get to go last. And the quiz is, I have to find it. Okay, please do. As listeners know, these are well-crafted quizzes. Very well-crafted. Um, are these real prizes or not? Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Emily works at XPRIZE. Was that the first question? Yeah. Oh, never mind. So the first one is the easy one, just so yeah. you know how the game goes. Mm -hmm. And the first one is, did, and interns, I hope you're, you're everybody there. You're all on mic? Mm -hmm. Yep, we're here. Indeed. Okay. Actually, this isn't bad because I assume that they haven't been paying attention the whole time we've been talking, so they might not know the first one. First one is XPRIZE. Simon, is that a real prize? I seem to recall discussing it recently, so I'm going to say yes. What do we think, interns? I'm going to say yes, and I'm also going to take the guess that one of the, like, the next question is going to be something along the lines of, like... Don't, oh. don't you do that. You <laughs> say, I know. Are I, you going to say why prize? Are you yes. Gonna, don't. Ben, ben works hard on these things. Don't take that away from okay, him. Okay, but that was, like, the easiest guess. Okay. Sound of scribbling crossing out on paper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, what do we think, Will and, Will and Ian? I've heard of it before, so I'm going to say yes. And so, Emily, does the person who um, employs you exist or not? Yes, but the question for the quiz is, is it a prize? Is it a and prize? And the X prize is not a prize. Oh. And not, so I'm going to say no. Knows. I was going to say no. <laughs> wow. The Ansari X prize. That's one of them. Yes. So each X prize has its own name. Oh. X prize is a foundation and not a prize. Oh. So wait, does Emily get it right or wrong? Emily gets it right. You all get it wrong. Oh, damn. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Only me and Emily knew that. No, Ian's I don't think that. that he missed Emily that because he wanted to answer that question. Yeah. Uh, you didn't oh, ask sorry, me. Ian. All right. The next one is the Gutenberg. Is that a prize? The Gutenberg prize. The Gutenberg. I know there's a Gutenberg Bible. <laughs> that is true. Um, there's, oh, a, good th there's a Gutenberg. Why is it called the Gutenberg Bible? Because Steve Gutenberg read it, <laughs> wrote <What>? it. <laughs> Police Academy that we know. The Gutenberg yeah. Press. Um, oh yeah, that's, remember that's, the printing press, that whole thing. Honest, I do remember that now. Yeah. I do. We, you, we, you we went to high school in Germany. So we have yeah. members of the press out in in the studio. The fourth estate. That I think it is the fourth estate. Um, that's why we are separate from you. Inter interns, what do we think about the Gutenberg Prize? I believe it is real. I think that. Yeah, I think it's real. Michelle, I'll side with the two others here. There you go, Emily. I'm just gonna say no. Yeah, Emily's right. Two, two for two. Oh, wow. It is not a prize. What's Gutenberg? Okay. The Gutenberg is not a prize for promoting achievement in the field of look who's talking in police academy films. Aha! <laughs> See, Steve Gutenberg. Nice. But they are, they are still looking for funding for look who's talking three. Wait, it's not look who's talking. It's three men and a baby. Isn't he? In, oh, that's right. Three men oh, and a baby. I no wonder some, they're not raising the money. I get a half point out of that one, guys. But uh, who can name all the police academy movies? I'll start. Police academy one. <laughs> police academy two. Police academy three. Police academy four. Police academy. Six? Ooh. I think, were they in Miami for one? <laughs> I don't, I'm not worried about subtitles. Okay, well. All right, I have, there's another one. Also, wait, Ben, there is a Gutenberg Prize from the city of Leipzig. That's Ooh. not, that doesn't count. They don't oh, spell it the same way. You just got fact-checked. Ian, you're this is, this is an audio podcast. How are we supposed to tell how you were spelling it? I think it was implied. Yeah, I think it, it was. How, how does yours spell it? Ian? Is there an umlaut on the U? There has never been an umlaut on the U. Oh, yeah, there's an umlaut on, on Yeah, on there Ben's is on U. this one. He said, oh, he said okay. Gutenberg. Oh, Gutenberg. Okay. I didn't hear the E. 
All right. How about the Ortig Prize? <laughs> Could you spell that? Please? No, I'm moving on. <laughs> no, the, the Ortig or- Prize. Ortig. Ortig. Oh, it's just such s- a weird word. Like, how can I make that up? The uh, yeah, Ortig Prize. That, that's what I'm going to say. That's such a weird word. How could you make that up? That's it must be real. It. it must be real. You don't always get what you want, Will. <laughs> what do we think, interns? You know what, though, Will? You get what you need. <laughs> Sometimes. Playlist. If you try so hard. Yeah. You just might find. Wait, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> what do we think, interns? Don't what do you think? Or, or tag Prize. Don't stop believing. I'll say yes. Uh, y- n- yes. No. Emily's had a lot of time now. Yeah. Oh, yes. I just thought I was waiting to last. Uh, definitely. No, no, you were right. You you, uh, you didn't pause. It's just that they took so long before I <laughs> got to you. Yes, it is. Do you know what it was a prize for? Do you know what's, yeah. what's the famous component of that prize? I'll let Emily Should I, Are you part. asking me? Yeah. I was asking everybody else, but you can tell. You can tell. Oh. The flight across the Atlantic? Yeah, that's Lindbergh. He, he won that. Why isn't it called the Lindbergh Prize? He won the prize. They don't... <laughs> How could they have because, named it after him before uh, he won it? Yeah, that's yeah, actually, that makes sense now. The reason I know that so well is that story is what inspired our the founder of X Prize, Peter Diamandis, to found X Prize was the Ortigue Prize, and he said, "Well, if somebody could have done that, um, we should do the same thing for space travel." So we talk about it all the time around here, and to this day, if you go to Washington D.C. in the Air and Space Museum, the winning. Um, uh, spaceship from Spaceship One from the Ansari X Prize is right next to Charles Lindbergh's plane hanging next to each other there in Air and Space Museum. So it all comes full circle. That's, that is one of my favorite museums in D.C. I just want to say that. Yeah, that's a pretty easy answer. No, but I was I was going to say... Uh, you go to the Dinosaur Museum, you go across the mall, you go to Air and Space. It's so good. That's the only place you can get So kids. good. And me. Um, is is X Prize and <laughs> SpaceX um, associated with each other, Emily? Uh, not officially, but we have, um, they're friends of X prize and, um, our, our founders involved in both. I wondered on account of the X. Yep. <laughs> okay. Next, next question, Ben. Next question. I'm not going to ask about any Y prize or Z prize. Yeah. Michelle. Come on, Michelle. Um, how about, the Hey, pe- Hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't sound that disappointed because it's not that shocking that you yeah. would do it. Okay. Um, usually that's if I only was able to construct the quiz 30 to 60 seconds before we went on air. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the next one is the Pete Holmes Award. The Pete Holmes Award. Um, <laughs> wait a second. Oh, yes. What do we think, interns? Well, is the quiz about prizes or awards? Well, there's a lot of synonyms for the mm. word prize. Yeah, it's true. Aha. Don't. It's it sounds like Simon realized something. And remembered that this was an actual Damn it, award Will. or prize. No, no, ma- yes. no, maybe he realized he could trick us by doing that. You oh, know, but oh, I'm yes. hoping that Emily's going to clarify later, like, you know, what I really mean are incentive prizes, because that's what X prize is. It's in the incentive prize category. So are these, is this an incentive prize, the Pete Holmes Award? Oh, I'm going to say no then. What do we think, interns? Now I'm really, now I'm just really screwing I'm just with you. So confused. Right? Yeah, no, I have no idea where to go from here. Okay, well, we'll skip you guys. You can have... say, actually, I can tell you. You either say yes or no. Yeah, yes. Okay. No. Emily. Yes. Okay, Emily, what do we think? I would say yes, but not incentivize competition. She is so right. She's... You've gotten every one of these right. You're right. So what, tell, what, what the is... Pete Holmes Award is whoever speaks first on the podcast. Douglas According movies. to Douglas movies. Oh, okay. You know, Wait. Pete Holmes is a friend of uh, of ours. We suspected. Yeah. This is a carefully yeah, calibrated, orchestrated... I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing here. <clears throat> so, uh, um, side question. Emily, um, and maybe we can just keep this off air. Uh, can you get us in touch with Pete Holmes? 
<laughs> I, I had nothing to do with it, Emily. <laughs> I find that distasteful. All right, next you one. Know what? You just made it weird. Yeah. Ooh, good oh, good one. Very good. Oh, good one. Good one. Oh, now people can Google that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the next one is the Longitude Prize. The Longitude Prize. Or could I say the Longitude Prize? Okay, here's what, here's what I'm just going to guess. There is a Latitude Prize. What do we think, studio? I'm going to say no. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Sure. Because they both went sure, I'm going to go no, but I don't. I have no idea. Emily, Longitude Prize. Yes. Yes. It's uh, a great prize. We read about it in History Technology. Oh, okay. And well, then they, do you want to sell it? Yeah, and they do. I'm really excited about it. It, was, it went from 1714 to 1765. When uh, John Harrison won the prize, he was a clockmaker. Why do they call it the Harrison Prize? Oh, we've been over that. <laughs> yeah, we've been over that. Okay, my bad. Back, you know, they didn't know how to, you could tell latitude, um, but when you were out at sea, you couldn't tell long, longitude unless you had some stable anchor, which you don't have at sea. Sure. So it was very difficult to come up with a clock that you could that you could wind and calibrate and know that it was actually correct. Okay. Uh, so he he finally did. But I was fascinated. There's a great book about this and a, and a movie. It's called Longitude, Longitude, Davis Sobel. Okay, well, it was a book first. <laughs> it was a book first. One of the alternative uh, suggestions to try to win this incentive prize, first, a bunch of guys wanted to just string boats across the ocean and they would fire a cannon at a certain time. Jeez. And then once you hear that cannon, then the next boat, like a mile away, would fire its cannon. That would uh, probably cost a lot more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But even worse was somebody had a proposal that you would, uh, there was a certain um, uh, mineral that would agitate a, a dog when it was wounded. Oh. And so they wanted to wound a dog, and then at a certain point, um, they would dip a, a stick into the mineral when the ship was out at sea, and when the dog reacted, they would know what time it was. Oh. They legitimately thought that might be a good idea. Yeah. Like, very cruel. And this is why we have people like Emily to choose better versions of, better solutions oh for problems. One of the things about those prizes is Lindbergh, despite some political things we could discuss about his personal opinions, mm-hmm. um, because I believe it has been discovered since then that he was anti-Semitic, no? I think so. He was a post office a flyer for the United States Post Office. And people thought that when this competition began, it was going to be won by a you know, World War One fancy pilot. Um, and they called him the flying fool and didn't think he could do it. Or you mentioned a, a clockmaker um, won that particular prize, the Longitudinal Prize. Yep. There are other ones that, you know, candy maker and just people who you don't necessarily expect. And we've had people who've become finalists in um, many of our competitions. We've had high schoolers actually from West Philadelphia at a public high school there. We've had a tattoo artist from Vegas. Mm. So it's really saying that you can get answers. The thing about these sort of competitions is that it brings people out who aren't necessarily always asked to come to the table. What about mid-level college administrators? I really would <laughs> love for Lafayette college to compete in something i'm gonna ask another one okay the methuselah mouse prize the methuselah mouse the methuselah mouse prize i call it the m prize the m prize i don't know methuselah mouse i'm gonna say yes because i because i maybe you're not making up anything you're not even putting any thought into this i'm not at all what do we think interns methuselah mouse prize the methuselah mouse prize the m prize you can go michelle call it the m prize m prize i don't think the m prize is real hmm I'm going to say no. Nope. Okay, Emily, what do we think? I, I'm i going to go with no. I have not heard of that one. Ah, I finally got you. Oh. Yes, it is one. About, what is it's it? It's about for life extension technologies. How is it? Yep. X Prize should look into and that. And do you know that they actually do call it the M Prize? They do call it the M Prize. Yep. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yep. New life extension therapies in mice. 
as a way to understand life extension in humans. Oh, it's not just for mice themselves. It's not just for mice. Although okay. I did have to reread it a few times because the way they worded it, yeah. it sounded like it was just for mice. Just for mice. I was like, this guy cares a lot about mice. Yeah, well. But uh, <laughs> it t- turns out that was a means to an end. Hmm, okay. Um, how about how about the Kramer Prize? The Kramer Prize. Hmm. I'm I, see. I'm the only one that can try and read Ben's face, and it is not. It, there's nothing I get from it. Um, the, <laughs> the Kramer, Kramer Prize. Prize. I'm gonna. You know what I'm gonna say? I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna say yes because I think somewhere in the world it exists, and that's gonna be my way of getting. Do you think it's at the headquarters of Kramerica Industries? <laughs> I think it could be. Yeah. What do we think, Studio? What do we think, interns? Kramer Prize. I'm gonna say no. Uneducated, uneducated guess. No. Mm-hmm. I'll go no. I've guessed every single one of these. Emily? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Emily is right again. It is yes. Oh. It was a prize. I'm in, very disappointed. <laughs> yeah. It was a prize to, to, um, that somebody won in 1977 about um, human-powered flight. Oh, okay. Uh, so McCready, this guy McCready, came up with a, gossamer con, a Condor Gossamer uh, glider. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he won the prize, the Kramer Prize. I would hate to it see. It was an incentive prize. Well, I would hate to see what the losers of that prize what <laughs> happened to them. I have last one. Okay, last one. Um, this is probably difficult. You're going to have to guess. I'm going to. The Johnny Dickshot Better Nickname Award. <laughs> um, I'm going to say if you're a listener to the show, if you're a true fan, you would know that this is not a real prize. What do we think, interns? I mean, I remember the quiz when this first came up, so I'm going to go no. Because that was just five seconds ago. Yeah. First time it's come up. First hmm. time. Wait, can, you, well, can you repeat the name again? The Johnny Dickshot Better Nickname Award. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, I'm going to go with the... What was that about being a true true fan of the show? Exactly. <laughs> Emily, what Sounds do we like think? you got yourselves in a dirty pickle. Okay. Womp, womp. I'm, I'm going to say no. You're going to say no? Yeah, that's a big fat no. It's a big fat it no. It should be a yes, though. Yeah. There, can there, we apply to... Can can anybody uh, apply to win something from the XPRIZE Foundation that will allow me to start my own prize? What would that prize be for? Better, Better nicknames. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there in the uh, title. Yeah, I mean, you can certainly propose it. There's a place on our website you can go in and uh, propose prize ideas. I well, think you sound pretty pretty high on this. I think I'm getting a vibe that you think this is a good idea. Emily, what if what if X what if X Prize did micro awards so that you know I got to work on time and I win a cup of coffee from X Prize? <laughs> is that a possibility? Great idea. Is that a possible? So, Mike, so think about micro awards. That's how you pitch it. Micro awards. You're welcome. Okay, on it. You're welcome. Well, I know it. that we don't have video Skype on, but are you, you're writing this down, right? Yeah. I'm writing it down. I'm also in the XPRIZE offices. I wish I could show you all around right now. Wow. Is there a, is there a foosball table in there somewhere? Um, well, we've got a big rocket ship hanging from the ceiling. We got 3D printers. We've got beam robots. No um, foosball, though. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> no foosball. We do have a large, um, rack of star trek jackets oh that which is kind of random but i bet i bet i bet i bet the kids love going was that left over from whoever had that office before you guys moved in (laughs) and was it was it william shatner (laughs) it's from we have a we 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 love science fiction around here and sometimes some of our things and ideas come up from science fiction artists and uh so we have something that was a tricorder from star trek it's actually it's a prototype now it's a health one of our health prizes and so part of the marketing campaign was having people in their star trek jackets and it was like make science fiction a science reality i I believe with tagline so that's why we have but now they're still there so every so often we just break them out you know oh i like speaking of breaking out (laughs) i have a friday sunday question you know what 
I happen to know that he learned that at our Segway workshop. Yeah, that's, that's one of the worst Segways I've used. Emily, do you prefer Friday or Sunday? Sunday. Sunday. Tell us, t- tell me more yeah. about that. You, you were in the minority on this. Well, you know, and this has shifted, I'll tell you. Oh, because has it? Sunday used to be, when I was in Easton, mm-hmm. I always are. taught on Mondays. Yeah, so for okay. years, I always taught on Mondays. So Sunday was a big work day for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I no longer, now I do not work on Sundays at all. And we also go to a really great um, social justice Sunday gathering that was an offshoot from a from a church here mm-hmm. um, that has just a really sort of amazing community called The Loft. Okay. So we get to be with our community on Sundays, and um, I get to be with my family, don't do any work usually. That's pretty good. And uh, yeah, just hang out and be and like think about the world and think about how do we want to be the best people we can be and spend time just... But what, what about like Sunday at like 8 p.m.? Just before, you know, like you're thinking oh, about going to bed. Oh, that's the best because the Is kids it? have just gone to bed. Okay. So Sunday, eight, eight to nine. Um, you can watch when Good Girls Revolt. We're off duty. We can watch Good Girls Revolt. I get to hang out with, with my husband. Okay. Future guest, current husband. Yep. Friend of the show, future guest, Josh Church. Yep. Now, okay. Now, the follow-up question. Uh, what do you think of Black Licorice? Not really my thing. But. But, but you kind of like it. Yeah, you don't hate it. No, no. I was really, it was, I was, I would say I was repulsed by it by most, for most of my life. Okay. But then suddenly became a Sunday person. Interesting. Ah, exactly. I'll tell you the only thing I'm still, I wouldn't reach for black licorice, but Dr. Rebecca Pite, Latin Americanist, she is a big fan of black licorice, spoiler alert. And she brought Hmm. someone, she came to visit me in Los Angeles and it was like some special kind and something she was like just try it i promise it's good and i was like well <laughs> and uh yeah so past show guest um carrie roman also had the same experience and got black licorice from oh it was rebecca from Pye. rebecca that's yeah. right. she is a black licorice pusher she's like a dealer she is yeah. did you have a um are there any, any upcoming appearances that we should know about uh, what are you plugging do you have any uh albums coming out kirkland express uh, oh uh, are you gonna be at largo <laughs> no. Um, although we do, we are friends of Largo. We we enjoy that quite a bit. And when I say we, I mean Josh Church and myself. Mm-hmm. Stop being close to good things. Yeah. One thing I actually want to say, it's not pitching something. This is, It's Go, just, please. You, you've been so generous with your compliments, and I really appreciate that. It's very heartwarming. I do want to point out to the two people who may still be listening, <laughs> um, I was a t- terrible student and a huge failure for much of my teen years. You jumped straight from how I was raised to college. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to point out, I just feel like, cause otherwise it just seems like I would kind of just been like, "Wee!" and everything works out. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, people should remember that everybody struggles and everybody feels like a failure sometimes. And everybody feels like they're not, well, I don't know about everybody, but many of us feel like we're not smart or we're not capable. Um, and I certainly have felt that way. I got rejected from many, many colleges. I did not think I'd be a success at all in anything. Just remember that there's very rarely a clear, easy road for anyone. Almost anybody you talk to will have a point where they really felt like they weren't going to make it or whether that's in a particular field or just in general in life. Um, so I just feel like I wanted to bring that part in. Yeah, but even in that, it's like you're really elevating the tone of the show like you're still being positive yeah even 
even in that story, it's like, man, exactly. You're not doing a very good. It's going to be hard for us to market this. We're not used to such encouraging, positive commentary. (laughs) We're just going to turn down, turn down the the frequency on your thing, so you have a lower voice or something like that. We'll figure it out in post. But Emily, uh, you've been a a lovely guest. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with us. If our listeners want to email us questions, comments, and concerns, they can email us at veryspreadsandbutters at gmail.com. They can follow us on Twitter at some later date. They can follow us on Facebook. They can follow us on, uh, what's the one, Spotify? Mm-hmm. Spotify playlist. I will be at the Laugh Factory in Tucson um, later on this month. And uh, I think that's all the, the plug I want to do. I think we really need a list of comedy clubs uh, all around the world with Laugh in their name, just sure. so that you can like perfectly tell people where you're not going to be okay right. Right. Well, well and he doesn't usually say too that he's going to be there because he's looking for the lost episodes yeah exactly <laughs> uh, yeah where in the world are those lost episodes yep i'm really um, excited oh. for the documentary to come out on the journey on how we found the lost episodes i think that's going to be a really beautiful story it's gonna be great yep you're working on that right okay well, Simon and Ben, thank you so much for <laughs> taking time to talk with me and Michelle and Ian and William, all your work behind the scenes. I really appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for calling, Emily. Awesome. Thank you, Emily. Headphones off. <laughs> Yeah, some of us still have papers to write. I have a 30% of my grade tomorrow, and I'm really scared for it. I have an essay that is due in like three hours. Can we can we do a bonus note about just Michelle and I complaining about all the work we yeah. have to do and how stressed we are? Yeah. I never and, complain about my work. And, and, and Ian's, just gonna, Ian's just going <laughs> to rap over this, or beatbox yeah. rather. But like really, really quietly. He's going to beatbox like really quietly. What? It's got to be like, you guys are talking, so I got to, for the recording, it's background noise. What if we did like, we wrote poems about all the work we had to do, and Ian played like drums. We got like a stand up bass See, player. Oh, wait, See, you this missed seems... it. Ben plays drums. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, Professor So plays bass. And, and you look like a bass player. Yeah. <laughs> at the Lafayette Bar. What if we started the VBB band? Honestly. I play guitar, so. Wait. Will plays guitar. This is shocking. I actually brought my guitar, actually. <laughs> actually, I actually have it right now. <laughs> I also have a mandolin that I kind of know how to play. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. Oh,